So piggybacking off of our last episode where we talked about generational faithfulness, today Elisha and I are just going to share our testimonies of how we each came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and what that continues to look like for us. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do, Well, I was going to say give us a thumbs up, but you can't give us a thumbs up. Um, You can hit the stars, which would be awesome, and give us either a rating or a a, a review, and that would just mean so much to us. Hey, I'm Elisha Voper. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited as you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Katie, we, wow, you're week two postpartum right now. Yes, we are week two. How are you feeling? I feel good. This has by far been the best recovery I've had out of the three. Good. And I think it's because I've just had so much help. You've missed so much help. Wow. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) No, seriously. You guys, Elisha has been like full-time taking care of all of us the past few days. And it's funny because yesterday I cleaned the house and he just couldn't stop saying like, how thankful he was. I cleaned the house and I was like, yeah, cause you like don't have to do everything now, but I don't know. It, but I know that we were both really grateful that your mother stayed for five days after your labor, which yes. was really nice. That was incredible. Cause we were both able to have days. Well, like last week, I think we told them we were able to record the podcast because my mom had Leon and Lucy. You're right. Last week. You're right. We're recording this in the afternoon too, but it's during nap time yep. and miraculous miraculously, wow. All three kids are sleeping at the same time. I know. Wow, that actually is pretty awesome. It is. You know, every time you add one, you just hope that it falls in line. <laughs> and it's fallen in line for sure. We're really grateful. It's fun being the parents of three kiddos. It is. It's actually really fun. Every single person that I know that's had three or more children has told me that the jump from two to three is significant. It's substantial. Everybody, I think every single person mm-hmm. has told me that. And I believe them because it definitely, I don't know. I know you're just adding one, but three feels like so many more children well, than two. Well, it's because you're outnumbered. And some people say, oh, it's easier. But those people that like I've heard from, their kids are more spaced out. So like it'd be one thing if Leon was seven, Lucy was five, and I had a newborn or something like that. Yeah. But we have three pretty dependent little kiddos. Yeah. Leon's two, Lucy's one, and Louie's one week. But Lucy did just figure out how to take the diapers and throw them in the trash. She did. You're right. So, she's doing a lot better at that. So she's a big help now. And Leon can go to the bathroom by himself. <laughs> yes. And wash his hands by himself. That's also a huge blessing. That's a huge win. Yeah. So wins. it's the little wins. Those are the little wins. Speaking of something less less little, a little bit more significant, 
our salvation. That's <laughs> yeah. what we're going to be talking about tonight. And, you know, after last week's episode, Katie and I really enjoyed talking about our heart's desire to see our children walk in truth. And I think just speaking that out, you know, saying it out loud has really given Katie and I, I think, a healthy sobriety regarding mm-hmm. parenting and regarding what we're going to be basing our life on. Is it grounded and rooted on the gospel of Jesus Christ? And do we have a gospel-filled home? Or do are we simply going to have a home that's filled with rules and principles that aren't planted and rooted in the person of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and I think that that's really led to a lot of self evaluation and what we believe and how we are living out our faith and how we're walking in faith on a daily basis. I know it has for me and, and Katie. I know you were saying it's the same for you. Yeah. And so today we thought we would share share kind of our personal testimonies and how we came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and what that's looked like since and what we hope it continues to look like. Cause I really do think that our testimonies are an ongoing story that it's not just a one time. I think that we can be saved at a moment, you know, like I, I love that Katie and I kind of both have a childhood memory of that professing Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, mm-hmm. which I mean, again, I, I believe the whole Bible. I believe John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I do think that that simple faith leads to salvation or is it Romans? I'm going to grab this. I think it's Romans 10, nine. That's mm-hmm. another one, you know, that's just very, I think fundamental Romans 10, nine says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus or sorry, I'm going to start this one more time. Okay. I, I scratch that. Well, no, it's funny. I love reading the King James version, but whenever I start reading out loud, I realize how clunky it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like when I read it to myself, it totally makes sense. Then I start reading it out loud. I feel like I've been sent back, you know, a thousand years. Well, I've been having a hard time just saying normal words today, so yeah. <laughs> don't feel bad. Yeah. So I'm going to read Romans 10 verse 9, and I might go into verse 10 too, but Romans 10 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so I think Katie and I both kind of have a memory or an experience from that fundamental belief that our salvation comes from Jesus Christ, from confessing our sins and believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died for our sins. And so that's kind of where we're both going to start, I think, with our story and with our testimony and then take you guys along and what we've learned since where we've grown. Obviously, you never move on from the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is, it's, it's everything. You know, Christ is our life, Colossians says. And so we're never moving on from Christ. But I think that different aspects of your life I guess, are able to be submitted and and under that umbrella of the full gospel. And so we're going to kind of share how that's transpired in our life. Yeah. So like Elisha said, my first knowledge or like my first memory of realizing my need for a savior was when I was three years old and my mom had these Abeka picture books and she would hold up, well, they weren't books. They were like, anyways, they were like these big pictures And she'd read off the back of the card, the story, the Bible story. And I remember at three years old, she shared the story of Christ dying for my sins on Calvary. And I just felt so much guilt. And I knew at three years old that I needed a savior and (laughs) that I was not good enough on my own. And it's kind of crazy how real that feeling was Hmm. and how real that memory is still. And so I started crying and I told her, you know, 
that I needed Jesus in my life. And I prayed with her, um, that day, but obviously there's only so much you can, can understand at three years old. Hmm. And I wasn't going to live out my personal walk, um, that fully at that age. I just was grateful that I was going to heaven one day and Hmm. that's what I believed. And that was enough for me at that age. Um, but at 17 years old, I also have a very clear memory and that was really when I dedicated my life to the Lord or started taking on my faith is a very personal, real thing to me, Hmm. I guess when I took full responsibility for my faith. Um, I think most people thought I was a healthy Christian girl and I talk, I think I've mentioned this a lot in the podcast of, I guess that, um, not wanting our kids to grow up, just knowing the right answers or doing the right things. Cause I think I was, I knew the right answers, you know, I did the right things. I, um, just seeing here, like I prayed the right prayers. I was well liked. I was athletic. I was in the right family. I didn't realize athleticism was an attribute of a Christian girl. Yeah. Well, you know, I threw it in there is like, <laughs> I, I guess here's, here's the deal. I was taking credit for God's blessing in my life in all areas. So I think like I took credit for how I looked, how I acted, the family I was born into, Hmm. um, and then my faith as well. Hmm. I just thought that I was the one who was creating all this. Yeah. You're kind of steering the ship. Yes. I was very in control, even though these were all things that the Lord had either blessed me with or that are supposed to be, um, things that are coming from relationship with him, Hmm. you know? Wow. And so, yeah, that was like confusing the way I said that, but I guess (laughs) ultimately my mindset was I'm taking credit, uh, for those things that, yeah, for God's blessing in my life and my world kind of, my 17 year old world collapsed like in one night, (laughs) um, basically like over the course of a few weeks, I was at that stage where I was questioning everything my dad was telling me. Hmm. And I was just butting heads with him over and over and over and over. And if you guys know my father, Chad Johnson, he's an incredible leader. He's a very loving father. I had no reason to mistrust him or distrust him or to um, think that every decision he made was a terrible decision. (laughs) (laughs) But that's totally how I felt at 17. And I was just like nagging and crying and whining and disagreeing. He would ask me to do like, we would do like, a basic project. I remember this happened. My dad asked me to like hand him some wood over the fence. And I was there with all my, all my siblings working on this work project. And I was like, well, I'm going to hand you the wood after I do this. And my dad was just like, why are you questioning everything? And that might sound random, but I think that me questioning my dad was just like, I wasn't trusting that the Lord had placed him in my life as a leader and that I was supposed to obey my father at that stage. Um, So I think my relationship with my dad was really just like bad. And then there weren't any boys that had crushes on me at this time. (laughs) And that really stressed me out. I found so much affirmation in male attention. Hmm. And I remember this was really, really true at this stage. Um, And then basically the night before I had this like reawakening, I guess, it was kind of a silly situation that tipped it all off. We were playing volleyball a bunch of us were playing volleyball. I was super competitive and I found a ton of self-worth just like I found self-worth, self-worth. Yeah. And, um, 
attention, getting attention, I also found self-worth in different skills that I had and where I was picked like on a volleyball team, if I was picked like first or second string or third string, like that really mattered to me. Did that ever matter to you? I'm sure it did. You were probably a team captain. No, I was never team captain. I definitely remember being picked behind some guys that I felt I deserved to be picked ahead of. (laughs) Or like just in different sports, like in basketball. I don't know. But anyways, that was like a big deal to me because I got picked down, you know, the rung a little bit. Like I wasn't right up at the top. And so then I got depressed. I got mad. Like I was not in a good place. And then like as the games progressed, I was getting picked like right above little the little kids because people like just didn't want me on their team. And so I was like depressed over that. And the next day I remember going for a walk. We had a 53 acre property and I was going for a walk by our Creek. And I was just like, so depressed and like, my life was over (laughs) at that stage. And basically this is what I wrote in my journal. And I think it describes, like I went back and I read what I wrote and it says, um, God in his mercy, I feel reached down and pulled out the dirty rags of popularity and praise. I had stuffed to fill the empty hole in my heart. These rags infested with sins, diseases made my wound more festered and affected infected I really felt like I hit rock bottom and so that's just kind of like I feel like the Lord did give me that word picture of like I had this hole only he could fill this hole in my life and I was just stuffing things there in there to make myself feel good about myself and make myself feel worthy of love or grace or you know whatever I felt deprived of and um just for whatever reason through a series of events that week I felt like he just took them all out and I Mm. realized how empty I really was. And I was tired of being full of myself. Mm. So anyways, I asked the Lord to, you know, fill my heart and to make me full. And then like with his fruits of the spirit and stuff like that, like I wanted to walk like a Christian and have the life of a believer, I guess. And then that kind of began a series of just events of the Lord starting to work in my heart. Because at that stage, obviously, you can have a one-time, like, moment, I guess, or whatever. But it wasn't like a single jaw-dropping event, I guess. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Paul, not Paul, (laughs) God blinded me like he did Paul. It was like this big deal. Mm -hmm. Um But my dad actually gave me a CD. He didn't know that I had had this heart change. And he gave me the CD on imputed righteousness. Hmm. And I didn't even know what imputed meant. Um, But a sentence that really stuck out to me that the preacher said was that works will come as a byproduct of faith. So, for instance, like obeying my father would come by just trusting daddy's decision was God's will. Because I was under my dad's authority and not by biting my tongue. Hmm. And it it was just kind of like a a strange switch in my brain. And so I was expecting to have these good works without having any faith. I had no relationship with Christ. And so I had no faith that he was going to save me from myself, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so then the works weren't happening in my life. And I was just really like impatient and angry. Hmm. So, um, But like a tree, faith doesn't grow overnight, and I didn't really have any roots. But God's faithful, and he instantly, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, Elisha, but like the Lord 
gives you like tons of opportunity to start working on whatever he's convicted you of. Sure. Have you ever felt that way? Yes. I totally felt that way. And like within like a day, my mom said like, no, we couldn't go to a soccer game that night. My dad said we couldn't listen to the country music radio station for like whatever reason. And I was like, that was like my thing. I listened to so much country music, which might've been part of my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My sister and I, he said we couldn't practice jujitsu. Like there were just like a ton of things where my dad just started like saying, okay, don't do this. Or my parents started saying these things. And usually I would have like flipped out, argued, whatever. And I just said, okay. And I didn't ask why. And the Lord just really started building my faith in him by me not questioning my parents. Cause I realized I was questioning God by questioning my parents. Hmm. And so through trusting them, I felt like I really deepened my faith. And this was just like, I feel like this kind of sums it up. This is a, another sentence I just wrote in my journal, um, back when I was 17 and it said, when I empty myself, God fills me and I'm never so empty is when I am full of myself. And I just feel like that was kind of the realization I had then. And it's a life, you know, a life changing process Wow, that I still feel I'm walking through, but that's when it started. Wow. That's so encouraging, Katie. I love the, I mean, that's such a personal testimony and that's why we're doing this is because though I just learned so much about you and your faith and you're my wife. We've been married for three and a half years. I know. I realized like I haven't ever heard your testimony. Yeah. And you, you haven't shared that with me and I got emotional, you know, a few Mm -hmm. times there just hearing what the Lord's done in your life and, and coming to where you're at. And, And I love that. That's, that is the nature of God. That's the nature of the gospel is he came down to man. He literally came down from heaven to earth, met us where we're at and then conquered sin through coming to our level, uh, yes. not getting caught up in sin, being above sin, but coming down to earth. And it's just so, you know, I'm just so convicted because I think that I, I was saying this, Katie, you know, prior to recording this podcast, I've got so much faith and confidence in the finished work of the cross and in the implications of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel so, so, I guess, confidently that it's a finished work. You know, over 2000 years ago, my sin was nailed to that cross and Jesus overcame Satan and he overcame sin and he overcame the grave by rising from the dead. But yet I've really been guilty of, of, um, of not seeing God in the day in and day out since then, you know, mm-hmm. of, of forgetting that our God is alive. He, he rose from the dead and he's currently living and his Holy spirit, you know, was sent down as our helper that we get to have in our life. The fruits of the spirit are only going to be fruits of the spirit, yeah. you know, those, yeah. those aren't the fruits of Elisha. They're not the fruits of Katie. They're the fruits mm-hmm. of the spirit. And that's something the Lord's blessed us with. And just hearing your testimony reminds me that God is active today. Yes. You know, the work, the gospel that, that was, that was done over 2000 years ago. And I'm grateful for that. But the way he's working in individuals is active and current and very personalized to different people. Yeah. God is such a personal God. And I think that just so cool. When I went back and was thinking about this, I was just convicted too. On like he meets me where I'm at today. Like mm. he did in such a radical way for me at that point where I just felt it was so clear. I could see his leadership, but like he's so willing to do that now. Mm-hmm. If we seek him, you know, he says those who seek him, find him. Yes. And I can be guilty of not seeking, yes. like really searching and looking right. just like, 
like opening our Bibles and reading it isn't necessarily seeking God out. Sure. Yeah, it it is. It can be used as seeking God out for sure. Like Abs- we get to know absolutely. God through reading our Bibles. Yes. Yes. And is it uh, Proverbs? What is it? Proverbs 5, 3 that trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Yeah, I think it's three five. Three five. It's Proverbs three. But I think of that in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And I did a word study. This is like, I don't know. I've, you know, I'm a pretty studi- studious man. No, I'm actually not. <laughs> what does it say in the Greek? <laughs> no, yeah. But that's what's funny is I I, uh, I looked up the that word acknowledge and all your ways acknowledge God because I think that it's so easy to look at that word acknowledge and think that like you're kind of walking into a room and, and nodding at God, like, oh, hey, like, I'll give you a nod. And I'll care about my business. But that word knowledge is the same word that's used for Adam knowing Eve and as a result, conceiving a child. It's a very intimate, it's knowing. It's so in all your ways, know God and he'll direct your paths. And that's such a daily uh, relationship that we mm-hmm. get to pursue. And I, I don't know, it's just so... I love that he just, that's just such a testimony, Katie, of God's meeting us in our place and us knowing God on a daily basis. And he will direct your paths Mm -hmm. as we know him, just like you would. I don't get to just acknowledge you as my wife and nod to you and say, hey, yeah, you're my wife. I'll nod at you and I walk in the house or when I walk in our bedroom. That wouldn't work very well. I have to know you as my wife. And Mm -hmm. when we know God as our Lord and Savior and as our Father and as the giver of every good gift, then he'll direct our paths. Hmm. That's awesome. That's such a good reminder. It is. Okay. Not well. even a reminder. That's just a good truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Katie. Yeah. Katie's referencing something that, should I tell him what you're yeah, referencing? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Because Katie, I, I have this issue. I, I've been guilty of saying, oh, that's a good reminder. That's a good reminder. That's a good reminder. But then I realized that I've said that a lot of times when, in fact, I'm just learning something new and I'll be like, oh, that's a good reminder. And I'm acting like I knew it already, but just it's kind of like having it. a know-it-all attitude. Like, yeah. oh yeah, like I already knew that, but like it's a good reminder. Yeah. Instead of being like, wow, that was a great truth, and yeah. like just embracing that someone else said something like, right, good to say, profound, or like, yeah, yeah, valuable to your life. Yeah, and it's funny because since I've been sensitive to it, I've started to realize how often people say that, and how often we all say it. And so I realized that, man, I just don't, I want to never think that everything's just a reminder. That's if I, there's no way I can go to a church service and hear a sermon and not learn something new. I think it's literally impossible just knowing my cognitive state, something something new to learn. And so if all I'm saying after I leave church is, oh, that was a good reminder. That was a good reminder. Or like marriage books or parenting books or anything like that. Yeah. I don't want to say, I mean, I get, you do get reminded of things. That's obviously and the bible even says i bring this up in remembrance you know or, or i stir up the you know it's not bad to be reminded no but i always <laughs> want to be a learner too and learn something new yes that's the point that's the point yeah anyways that's why katie <laughs> said side that side bunny trail side bunny trail okay well i'll share yeah let's some of my story I hear. that was encouraging katie because i i similarly prayed with my father at six years of age you were three so you mm-hmm. were an overachiever you know as far as age is concerned well i am five years younger than you so yeah it was actually pretty I similar time start things a little sooner i guess so uh but it was the same thing at six years of age i felt the real conviction of my sin because up until that point i think my parents had been very faithful in disciplining me for sinning against them or for disobedience um and it wasn't until i was six years old that my dad made it very clear to me that hey you know you're 
because I, I told a lie. And he said, you know, you lied to me, but ultimately you're sinning against God. And, and he's the one that you have to answer for. And uh, I just remember so clearly feeling the weight of that. You know, it was, it was nighttime and I was laying in my bed and I was crying at first because I was in trouble. That's why I was upset at first. But then the even greater weight of realizing that I did, he was right. I'd sinned against God. And my daddy explained to me that through Jesus Christ, there could be forgiveness of sins. He says, you need to ask God's forgiveness and the forgiveness of your sin can only come through Jesus Christ. And like you said, I don't know what my understanding was at that point. All I know is I wanted freed from this guilt that yeah. I felt. And also I just, I didn't like feeling the, the doom, the doomsday, uh, I guess that looming reality that I'd have to face God at some point with that sin. And so I did pray. And I, and again, just going back to, you know, those verses we already read, I confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord. I confessed my sin. I asked forgiveness. I repented of my sin. And just based off of, you know, like I said, John three sixteen or Romans 10, 9, you know, 10, chapter 10, verse 9 and, and 10, I think I was saved. You know, mm -hmm. I think that I, I prayed a, a, the sinner's prayer that so many people refer to it as, and I do think that I was saved based off of God's word. And then as time went on, you're starting to live that out because you think, okay, my hope's in, in the Lord. But then I, especially, you know, from the time I was probably 10 to 16, I didn't understand how this worked out practically. I think it was really easy to understand fundamentally and in principle that my, the only right standing I have when I die is Jesus. That's that's the name that I need to proclaim when I you know approach the throne of God. If I'm able to approach the throne of God, my own righteousness is not going to do it. But then there's also just this life that I have to live. I have to wake up every morning and try to obey my mom and try to do my school and try not to lie when I kind of cheated in my textbook, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the cheating was a sin too, you know? So I'm doing all these things. I'm thinking, man, how you're questioning how much sin can God keep forgiving in my life? You know, and I think a lot of people have probably asked that Yeah, because totally. you're thinking, okay, I know he forgave me of my sin, but I clearly continued to sin. You know, and my body would tell me to do things that I knew were wrong, and I did it. You know, I'd I'd act up against my mother, and I'd talk back, or I would hit my sister even at times. You know, as a young boy, not as a grown up, but like as a as a child. <laughs> Leon can relate to this. Hopefully, he realizes it's a bad idea one day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sin. <laughs> yeah, it's a sin, and I just simply I was mischievous. You know, I would ruin things. I would I would break things on purpose. I was a, I was a sinful person. And that every night after that would always, it's not like I lived in this darkness, but I would always be aware of the fact that I wasn't living a, a righteous life. And I think that over time, it's really easy to adopt a, when you are guilty of your sin, to adopt a very works-based walk of Christianity. Because you think, okay, God saved me, but I need to meet a, a righteous standard mm -hmm. in my day in and day out living. And so I think from probably 10 or especially 12, I've got clear memories from 12 years old to 17 years of age, really trying to walk out uh, what I consider to be a righteous life so that I could have a clear conscience before God. And I think, you know, it's interesting you brought up um, that imputed righteousness because I think that I was able to get my hands on a very similar teaching mm -hmm. that um, maybe we'll share with you folks at, at some point what these teachings are. Um, but it was really the complete work of Jesus Christ. Cause I think that I understood in my brain that I was justified 
before God because of the finished work of Christ. I, I was justified. But I thought that this life I was now living, I had to live and fight this sinful desire for the rest of my life. And it was me versus what people call the flesh or it was me versus my body or me versus this sinful nature. But when I realized that the old man that I was crucified with Christ and it was no longer I that lived, but Christ that lived in me and that I was literally a new creation. The old man was indeed dead, regardless of how I felt, regardless of when I looked in the mirror, who I saw or of how I acted the day before or how I acted the moment before the old man was dead and I was a new creation in Jesus Christ and coming to grips with that, coming to the reality and believing that once again, just believing in the finished work of Christ, I realized that it was no longer a battle of me fighting this, this fight against what, you know, I thought was just a sinful nature or what so many people talk about as being this flesh that we have to fight our whole life and realizing that work was done as well, as well as my justification. And I believe God and I walk in the freedom that he's provided for me. It's mm -hmm. all the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so what, is, what does that mean? I'd never sinned again in my life. Well, that's not the case at all. Cause first John makes it clear. If any man says he has no sin, he's a liar. And you, Katie, you can be the first to attest that I've had sin in my life since we've been married, you know, and you've, and you've been the, I guess, the victim of that at different times, but realizing that I'm no longer debtor to that sin. I'm no longer enslaved to that sin. Mm -hmm. I'm a new creation in Christ and I'm now a debtor to righteousness. I'm a slave to righteousness and there's no neutral ground. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Jesus. And I cannot tell you folks how much better it is to have Jesus as my master mm -hmm. versus versus sin. Amen. <laughs> I think that's just so encouraging and it's so powerful. And I think it's something that we have to remind ourselves over and over because I feel like even in the church, it's so talked about, you know, like the battle of the black and white dog, I feel like it's such oh, sure. a famous yeah. description uh -huh. or, or, you know, like word picture or like, you know, it can seem like, oh, our faith is this constant battle instead of realizing that Christ won the battle. Yep. He is victorious and we are victorious in him because of his strength. Yes. And he now lives in us. He does. And we're victorious. Yes. So I just think that's such a beautiful testimony. Yes. For sure. I love it's so powerful. When we're saved, we are, we do become citizens of another kingdom. And I, and I think of when I really take that, I guess, picture seriously, like it says that we are. And if I'm now a son of God, if I'm no longer a son of perdition or a son of this world or a son of sin, I'm a son of God, then I need to simply learn how to act in this new way, in this new family that I'm a part of. And Katie, I've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again. If you and I adopted a child from fill in the blank, you know, off the streets of, of India. We've got some close friends that are adopting a child right now yeah. from India. And we bring this child into our home and say they're eight years old. We would expect for them, even though we love them, they're legally ours. They're in our household. They've got our last name. Every, the government acknowledges them as our child. They're documented as our child. They wouldn't necessarily know how to act as our child, even though they are our child. And mm -hmm. I think so often that's the case with us as Christians is that we are got we've been brought into his kingdom. We are new creations. We are his son, the son of royalty. We've been brought into the household of God. Yes. But we see that we don't know how to act properly. And so therefore we say, well, we must not be sons. We must not be children yet. 
we need to keep working on ourselves and bettering ourselves and, and b- b- banging out the sin of our life so that we can actually be sons of God. Mm-hmm. Rather than if we have a child in our house that we've adopted that's legally ours, we just simply train them how to behave accordingly. They don't, they don't have to eat with their hands anymore when they're mm-hmm. at the dinner table. We have to teach them how to use their fork and their knife and their spoon. And they mm-hmm. might be used to sleeping on the floor, but then we show them how to sleep in a bed and how to make their bed. Mm-hmm. And throughout that process, they're not becoming any more our child. Yes. They are just learning how to walk accordingly. And I think that that's the case with us and, and, and our Lord Jesus Christ, where we are as children. He's freed us from sin. We mm-hmm. are no longer enslaved to sin. We are new citizens. And we simply, by believing that, learn how to walk in that. Yeah. And as that faith grows and our trust in Christ grows, I feel like we mature in our walk with him. Mm-hmm. And so we act more and more like Christ. Yes. But it's not that. Like you said, it's this work-based, like, we're, we do have works, but striving is not what's making us more and more mature or more and more accepted by Christ. Right. We are accepted and we're free to act like we're new, new creations in him. Yes. From the moment we become saved. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I think that's, yeah, that's just such a powerful truth because I think it's so easy to adopt a half gospel Hmm. and that we're saved from eternal damnation, but we aren't saved from ourselves here on earth. Right. Exactly. And Christ came to, yes, save us and make us right before God, but he also came to give us life more abundantly here on earth. Right. Exactly. Day in and day out. That's right. So I think that's so cool that you drew that out. Yeah. That you came to that knowledge. Well, that's, I mean, that's, like I said, I love obviously love the fact i mean i can't even articulate how much i'm grateful for the fact that we've got eternal hope in jesus christ yes that is just so profound it's eternity it's something we can't even comprehend comprehend i really feel like how valuable that gift is that we've been given that said i never want to undervalue the gift we've been given in this life of freedom from sin and that we are no longer debtors to sin or to our flesh or to Satan, but we are debtors to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I want to walk in that and live out that reality and realize that when I'm not, when I do sin, when I do stumble, that I'm not behaving as one that's a son of God. I'm not behaving in the reality that I've been brought into. Mm -hmm. And therefore I need to change my thinking. And I love that second Peter tells us that we've been given all things to pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called, that has called us to glory and virtue And so when I feel like I'm lacking, when I feel I don't have self-control, when I feel I don't have the ability to not get angry with my children or to not lust or to not sin in a certain area, then I know that that's just because I've got wrong thinking, thinking, because he's given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And in knowing him more and in believing him more, then I'll experience that on a daily basis. Well, I remember too, I think this all the time, Uh, my parents really drew out that verse and really preached it to us hard. They said, when you are being tempted or when you want to, you know, be angry or you want to sin, you don't ask God for strength. Mm -hmm. Don't ask God to do something he's already given to you. Amen. You just thank him for what he's given you. And so I find that I do that with my kids. I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you've given me the patience to work through this moment. Amen. Thank you that you've given me the grace to live out today. Thank you that you've given me strength and that you are my joy. That's right. And when we come 
at whatever Satan's throwing at us or that God's allowing in our life with that thankful spirit, we are walking in that power that is ours through Christ instead of coming at it from a defeatist attitude. I mean, like, Lord, I pray that you will give me you know, yeah, deliverance or give me strength, give me or strength give me... or give me deliverance. And obviously there are verses like that in the Psalms, you know, we're like coming from just, you know, David's devastated or sometimes we're devastated where we just are crying out to the Lord. And obviously we can say whatever we want to the Lord, but when we thank him for the power that he's already given in us, yes. it definitely changes the way that I see a situation and that I walk in a situation. Well, and it also is, is, actually asking in faith to always well, praying in faith if you because you're stating what he's already given to you you're believing that you have what he says he's given you yes. versus asking for something which he's already given to you yes that's not there's no faith in that at yeah. all because he's already given point. it to you and you're simply not believing that he's giving you the ability to overcome or the ability to walk in freedom mm-hmm. um and so i do think that, that is a very fine a, a, it's a very specific thing that I think it's comes down to our thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. and how do we think of these things? And I know for a fact, I want to base my belief off of what God has said in his word versus what I experience. And when I come to, I love it that when I believe God first, the experiences follow, but it starts with faith. It starts with believing Mm -hmm. that like you said, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness starts by believing that we are freed from sin starts believing that, you know, we have been made new. We are new creatures, that he finished the work. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start to experience that in a practical way. I think that's good. I think we should end on that sentence. All right. <laughs> right <on. laughs> I'm like, I think that's just good. Sila. <laughs> yeah. Is it Sila? Is it Sela? Oh, you know what? I always pronounced it Sela, but now we have, you know, Sela. our oh, cousin named Sela. So I'm really not sure, but... Yeah. We Either always way, said Sila. Yeah. We'll have to pause and consider that one. The Hebrew in the Greek. <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening. We were, I mean, this has been so good for Katie and I. I know that I want to continue to uh, become more effective in articulating my faith and what I believe as we are. You know, I think it's such a gift. But the fact is, is that we are in a world that denies Jesus Christ. And I've just been considering that more and more since I have children. And I see what popular messages are portrayed in any outlet, you know, whether it's media or just whether it's when you're out and about walking around a park, uh, Christ is denied in so many ways. And so I want to better equip myself to speak the things that I believe and to believe the things that God has spoken and to be able to pass that on to my children. And so I'm grateful that you guys are are giving us the opportunity to do that even today. Yeah, I know. I feel like we're probably super clunky in trying to like share what the Lord's done in our lives and what he's doing, but we do want to get better at it over the next, you know, few years (laughs) over our lifetime. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I want to be able to get better at that, but thank you for listening folks. You, you all are always so kind to Katie and I, and we appreciate that. And we really appreciate this opportunity to really just share the life that we're living and what we're learning on day in and day out basis in real time. So you folks enjoy your night, your day. Your life. Your afternoon. Your afternoon. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next week. Oh, wait, but before you do, if you haven't left us a rating or a review, we would love if you guys would do that. I know we say this on every one, but seriously, your ratings and reviews help this podcast get out to more people. And it just encourages Elisha so, and I, I don't know why I stopped at Elisha. It does encourage me a lot. It just encourages us so much. So thank you for taking the time to do that. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.